And now, from the Santon Time Studios in Africa's richest square mile, this is the Santon Times Podcast with your host, Alexander. Have we done 60 episodes already? 60? My goodness. Pass me a gin and tonic. It's unbelievable. This is the Santon Times Podcast, episode 60, week 30, unreal. Can't believe it's been 60 weeks. Well, I'm glad you've been tuning in for 60 weeks. And if you haven't, if you've only been tuning in for 60 seconds or 60 minutes, well, welcome to the Santon Times Podcast. As always, you can reach out to us on editor at santontimes.ca.za and you can also connect on the Santon Times on social media and the website www.santontimes.ca.za. Also, don't forget to follow, subscribe, share, and leave a review or rating of this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. As always, welcome to all of you listening in Greater Santon and beyond, including uh, places like the United States, Qatar, Greece, UK, Portugal, and Brazil. All is well in Santon land, I'm happy to report. And yeah, we're down to lockdown level three. Gauteng is able to move a little bit again, so we're able to travel a bit, although it doesn't mean that we can fully do whatever we want to do. We're still wearing masks, we're still social distancing, we're all still sanitizing. I think we all know the song, we've all got the same hymn sheet, I hope. And things are not 100% yet. I mean, the numbers are still looking quite dicey. And personally, I know a lot of friends, a lot of family who are uh, affected by this pandemic. And I suppose it always makes it very real. So you got to be on guard. And even when you have taken a vaccine or two vaccines or whatever precautions you've taken, it's still not bulletproof. You're not walking around with some sort of uh, force field or shield. You know, you still got to do all the things you need to do to to keep things safe. I know that uh, a lot of people are coming online for their vaccination from the 1st of August. Some others are going online from 1st of September. So as we start rolling this out, let's see how that improves things. Last weekend, we had a very interesting weekend. We got invited to check out a villa or a house in Waterfall Estate, which is an estate just uh, outside of the, I suppose, you know, greater Santon. And you can win a weekend there. So we thought we're going to go check it out and see what this is all about. It's called Hashtag Villa for the Weekend. We had the most interesting time. It was really beautiful. I mean, we had a, a Friday night dinner. We had a private chef from Embark Restaurant who came along and uh, he cooked for us in, in the house, which was wonderful. Quite a big place. Four bedrooms with ensuite bathrooms, a pajama lounge, a normal lounge, a kitchen, a small garden. And then, of course, the whole waterfall estate itself, which you can check out on mountain bikes. You can take a golf cart and take a drive around. Something like 37 kilometers of different paths and bridges that you can explore. And that was insane. I mean, the Embark uh, dinner was absolutely sensational. And congratulations to Chef Mitchell Duplessy, who looked after us. He was fabulous. His food was tremendous. What a highlight that was. Then, of course, it was just keeping warm because it was a particularly chilly weekend and uh, we had the fireplace going in this place. And the next day it was picnics, it was uh, full body massages, it was dinner at the Codfather, BMW Midran picked us up in the new 7 Series to just get that experience and be dropped off at, at a restaurant, the Codfather. And let me tell you a little insight, a very well-known political figure 
was having dinner there as well. And I thought, well, this could be fun if we both have to rock up in our big, fat German luxury vehicles. Uh, who gets preference? Who gets the preferential parking? Uh, is it the 7 Series? Is it the Mercedes S-Class? How does that work? I'm not quite sure what the protocol was. But anyway, uh, living the life, uh, one with the people, obviously, uh, as politicians do. And then, yeah, I mean, the next day, brunch in Waterfall, and suddenly the whole weekend was over. But yeah, check out the Santon Times website for all the details as to how you could stand a chance uh, to win a weekend like this. And uh, there's photos on the Instagram page, so you can really get to see all the different angles of this. It's two couples uh, every month for August, September, and October. So maybe you're one of those couples, one of those three couples who might get a chance to try that out. Coming up on this week's episode, it's our weekly check-in on the Olympics with some great results so far. My goodness, how was that... uh Gold medal by our very own golden girl in the swimming pool. Congratulations to her. Unreal. Unreal. And I really hope it's not the first and the last uh, of those gold medals coming in. But we're going to get more details with our sportsman, Jeff, to tell us what else has happened uh, this week. Then we finished school together, but her movie script is making waves internationally. I thought it would be a good time for a reunion. So stay listening. You're going to not want to miss out on that. And finally, he has just taken over the CEO position and uh, he's looking after some fabulous lifestyle brands in South Africa. We find out more. Stay tuned. But right now, it's time for your news to go. Right, action and drama in Benmore this week. My goodness, did I get phone calls and SMSs suddenly on Wednesday morning? I was uh, on my way to uh, an appointment and wow, people were like, what's going on in Benmore? What's happening there? Well, there was a protest on in Benmore and uh, it was in Benmore Road and Lower Road in Santon and approximately 500 construction workers who allegedly had not been paid their salaries. They decided, well, enough is enough and they staged uh, a protest. It took a nasty turn, unfortunately, when one of the workers attacked a security guard And uh, the security guard that managed to jump inside a patrol car and uh, drove off to get away from the violent crowd. But the Sowetan reports that this is not the first time that these workers had a dispute over an unpaid salary with the company that is busy doing construction there in Benmore. Earlier mentioned the security guard. He is unfortunately now fighting for his life in hospital after he was stabbed in the chest during the protest, uh, supposedly just beneath the heart. So just missed the heart, thank God. But he's had to go into surgery and he is now on the mend. Uh, And I really hope that he comes out Uh, well and strong and back on his feet. Three people have been arrested in relation to this unrest. And uh, let's see if we get to hear more of what the story is there. Then uh, there's a Santon City update. And as News24 reports, in the few months before South Africa went into adjusted lockdown level four this year, people shopped more in Santon City than they did in 2019. How interesting is that? Even with offices in Santon City not back to their full capacity in the Santon Convention Center, hardly a hive of activity for over a year now, can you believe it? Weekday activity in the malls has not died. As for weekends, Santon City appears to have held its own as a preferred shopping destination and not just for seekers of luxury items anymore. Hmm, Remember the queues we saw outside of Louis Vuitton? I'm telling you. Alexander McQueen will soon open shop there, a first in South Africa. Ooh la la. <laughs> Other luxury brands are moving from their current spaces to open bigger stores within Santon City, and they plan to bring kids' offerings to their old shops. So, gee, I mean, the economy can't be doing too badly then. Crisis 
What is a crisis? The other businesses in the Sandton City complex, uh, that is the convention center, Nelson Mandela Square and the hotels, still have not recovered from the initial lockdown slump, save for Sandton Sun, which started trading again in 2020. Then the famous four-ways hippo has died. I'm sure you saw this on the Santon Times.co.za. The elusive four-ways hippo, which had been seen wandering north of four-ways since December last year, has died. The famous hippo was again spotted at Stain City this last week, moving along the river and entering the Parkland residence. As soon as the Stain City Management Association learnt of the sighting, it began tracking the hippo's movements along the Yuxke River and into its dams with cameras and infrared drones. The hippo later moved on to Stain City Golf Course in close proximity to the residents and with safety of both animal and residents in mind, the SCMA contacted the relevant Nature Conservation Authority to seek consent for its relocation. Over the past weekend, after obtaining the necessary permits, the hippo was darted and captured under the supervision of trained veterinarians and representatives from the Nature Conservation Authorities. However, the veterinarians responsible for the relocation of the hippo later advised that the hippo sadly died while in transit as a result of breathing complications. Sad, but there you have it. Because people have got to know. Did you feel the earth tremor this week? Alarm! Alarm! My word, News24 reports Gauteng residents were shaken from their slumber on Friday morning when an earthquake measuring between 3.5 and 4.2 magnitude rocked the area. The earthquake was felt across the province just after 6.30 and lasted a few minutes. The tremor is believed to have started in Boxburg and reverberated to the south of Johannesburg, Santon and Kempton Park. The Council for Geoscience has recorded 45 tremors across the country in July. Gosh, can you imagine? 45 tremors. Where are they happening? Then, a bit of looting aftershock uh, on that note. Whilst an ANC councillor has been arrested for public violence and theft and uh, was allegedly caught on CCTV footage looting clothes from Markham's and Total Sports stores during the recent unrest, the Mercedes-Benz driving looter has handed himself over to police. The Sowetan reports the 26-year-old Mercedes-Benz driver who went viral on social media after being captured on film allegedly looting a popular Durban Woolworths and then driving off is now facing charges of theft and public violence. Speaking to Times Live uh, a day after the video footage emerged of him allegedly carrying a basket of goods and shoving them into his silver Mercedes-Benz AMG C-Class coupe, Nochal. Come on, man. He claimed the entire thing had been taken out of context and that he hadn't gone into the store. Quote, People are proclaiming that I was looting. Did anyone see me go into Woolworths? I never even walked into the Woolworths. The basket that I had in my hand was from outside the shop. I did not go into Woolworths. I'm not going to understand anyone that is going to proclaim and say that I am looting. Yeah, there's so many things going on there. But to top it all off, uh, then a video did surface of him walking out of the Woolworths with a full basket. How awkward. That's it for the news for this week. Don't forget, you can visit thesantantimes.ca.today for more stories. This is the Santon Times Podcast. Follow us on social media. Time for us to get into sport again uh, as another week unfolds. And the Olympic Games are underway, so I'm really excited to be talking about that. But we've also got the British and Irish Lions touring in South Africa. So without further ado, let me welcome our regular commentator, all things sports, Jeff Grinling. Good to have you on the show again. 
Hey, thanks. Great to be here. Hey, Jeff. Always great to chat to you. And uh, yeah, man, we've all been hooked on 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 the Olympics. And what's so great about the Olympics uh, at the moment is that we wake up first thing in the morning and uh, we can watch it because of the the time delay. Exactly, and that's and that is a phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity for us. You know that uh, you start your day with some world class athletics. You start your day with some world class sports. Is uh, there's nothing better for for a sports fan now? Yeah? Yeah, well, look, before we get into uh, Tokyo and, and all things Olympics, we uh, have to chat about the, the British and Irish Lions Tour, uh, which has sort of kicked off now formally and officially. Uh, how are things looking there? Yeah, absolutely. So it was, uh, it was exactly the start that a lot of people predicted. And, uh, and anyone who's watched the British and Irish Lions Tour, this is normally how it gets going. The first half of the first game is normally exceptionally cagey, exceptionally tight. And that is exactly what it proved to be. Um, just exchanging penalties for the most part. Um, and in the second half, we made some some questionable decisions on our on our changes that that happened that really it really forced the the momentum into the other team's hands. and uh, and yeah, it eventually eventually the British and Irish Lions ran out pretty comfortable winners. but um I'm excited for this week's this week's game because the second game really is the it's the decider. it's the it's the do or die game, and I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a massive occasion here up in uh, up in Johannesburg. I think it's going to be a big day, yeah. Well, I mean, it was great, like you say, until I think sort of the last bit of the game and then suddenly the whole thing just slipped the other way uh, in terms of uh, towards the British and Irish lines. And also then it was a bit of drama off the field as well, I believe. There was a there was a little bit of hanky-panky, yeah, and that's, uh, that's pretty standard. But on the field, I think the, the massive turning point of the game was, uh, was Rossi's decision to bring off the the front three that started the game and absolutely dominated the Lions. And uh, and he replaced them with what I would have believed to be our strongest front three as far as our two props and hooker. And um, and yeah, it just didn't turn out that way at all. They just started to dominate the scrums, dominate lineouts. Their forward pack was just immense. And um, and yeah, we we just sort of crumbled underneath them a little bit. I think a lot of it has to do with, with the fact that our rugby players have not played the sort of games that the, the British and Irish Lions have. They haven't played proper rugby in, in probably a year and a half, two years now. Um, so there was certainly a fitness issue that uh, that hopefully has been addressed and hopefully we're up and running and uh, and back to some match sharpness as we get into the second game now. You know, it's interesting you say that because I also had that feeling when it came to the Olympics and uh, you can give me your thoughts on this as well, is that it felt like a lot of the athletes, the ones, especially the ones that you were expecting to perform or the teams you were expecting to perform, all felt a little bit rusty. And I don't know if it's because we've been in lockdown because people haven't been able to train or to move. And, you know, with especially with a lot of these top performing athletes in, in the sports that they are, uh, it, they get sort of into a space where they're at their peak performance. And you can't maintain that indefinitely. And a lot of these people probably had set up their peak to be around mid-2020 uh, for the Olympics, for the rugby, etc., and then suddenly nothing happened and they had to almost kind of kind of let it die down again and kind of then build it up again to now. And I think it hasn't quite played out the way it should have. Absolutely, Alex. I think you've hit the nail right on the head there because a lot of people don't realize that this is not just a, an athlete's form and an athlete's fitness is not just a matter of we're going to be as fit as we are every single year. That's not how it works. Um, there's a lot of build-up, there's a lot of training, there's a lot of very specific dieting, a lot of very specific lifestyle that goes into preparation for this. And it's a four-year journey. 
It's not something that just happens in the last two weeks before the Olympics. And certainly that would have been thrown right out of Kyoto. And that's why we've seen some very interesting results coming up. One of those that actually we were speaking about earlier is, um, is our men's sevens team. Who, uh, who we thought would go to the Olympics as one of the favorites and really put on a good showing, who managed to only eventually finish fifth. And, uh, and they started off beautifully. They absolutely smashed Ireland and then, um, and then just sort of, sort of fell away towards the end and, and just ran out, of, ran out of lungs, ran out of fitness, ran out of stamina, whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, certainly there's been, some, there's been some interesting results and certainly this, this COVID pandemic can't be overlooked for, for what it's done in the, in the Olympics, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, let, let's get into it. I mean, I, I started watching a little bit uh, as things kicked off on the weekend. Uh, I ended up tuning into a bit of fencing, which I really enjoyed because I used to do some fencing when I was at school. So it's one of the few times you actually ever get to see competitive fencing on TV. Um, which might not be everybody's cup of tea, but but I really enjoyed it. Uh, then the shooting, which I always find also like a bit of an odd uh, Olympic sport because uh, a lot of the shooters don't look like Olympians. I mean, they're not sort of six pack, uh, sort of broad shoulders, the, the kind of, you know, sort of Greek god that you would expect um you know because for shooting you really just have to have a good eye and a strong arm and i think a, a bit of accuracy so they, they don't necessarily look like uh, olympic athletes much also like the uh, archers uh then we watched a little bit of uh, the diving which was really good uh, that looked really good, really interesting and once again also like you know like you said such interesting results uh, i think we watched the the women's synchronized diving and uh there also, it went from a situation where the United States was really well ahead and then suddenly China just came out of nowhere and just, just took it. Then a lot of the, um, you know, they, they have the bars and the horse and the... And the, and the yeah, the, the artistic gymnastics side of it. Yeah, yes, artistic gymnastics. That was also really great to watch as well. And I mean, it's just unreal watching some of these athletes at like their peak. I mean, it's just stuff that you could not even imagine to begin to... Uh, to do yourself. So yeah, so, we, so it's been interesting sort of just dipping into different sports. Uh, skateboarding, which is also now a new discipline at the Olympics, which I thought was also quite interesting to watch. And I haven't quite figured out yet exactly how they judge that. But we've done exceptionally well in surfing, which is also a new Olympic sport. Absolutely, yeah. Bianca Beitendach, who went out there and just absolutely smashed the field and, uh, and took home her, her silver medal, which is phenomenal, phenomenal achievement. And congratulations to her, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we've got one silver medal in the bag with surfing, and then we've got another sil- silver medal in the bag with uh, swimming, which is, uh, I think, an all-time South African uh, favorite sport to watch. Absolutely, and that is where we have we have really shown up. Apart from apart from maybe maybe middle distance running and and long jump, this has really been our this has been our bread and butter for many years. Our swimming has always been an exceptionally high level. So um, yeah, congratulations, Tatiana Schoonmaker, who uh, who I think I think did beautifully for the silver medal. Um, and I think potentially this could have been a this could have been our first gold of the games, yeah. Yeah. So we're in which where we just scraped into the top forty there at number thirty nine now uh, on That's the right. on, on the medal ranking. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think there's a total of is it fifty eight teams odd? So okay, so we're sort of quite a right there uh, in the top. Obviously, China at number one, the United States at number two, Japan at number three, which I think they must be quite happy about considering they're hosting all of this, and then this. Uh, this team that everyone started commenting on right in the beginning called Rock or mm-hmm. Russian Olympic Committee, and That's right. and this is sort of I suppose all the Russian uh, Olympians or athletes that uh, were considered not dubious or had not you know 
partaken in any sort of uh, Russian doping scandals, whatever, they uh, kind of clumped together yeah. in, under this rock banner. Correct. So this is the this is the clean Russian team, yeah. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so probably been uh, 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 CRT then, not ROC. Yeah, but anyway. Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. So so yeah. So 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 they, they still continue to, to perform really well. And then uh, Great Britain, Australia, South Korea, Germany, France, and Italy there in the top ten uh, in terms of medals. Uh, do you foresee us uh, gaining a little bit more traction once we get into track and field? Well, absolutely, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna certainly see some more some more results in the pool. Um, certainly, Chad Chloe is gonna is gonna show up and he'll bring some in. Um, so there is still gonna be there's still gonna be certainly some some movement to happen. Um, but of course, when we get into the when we get into the track and field, we have a couple of athletes to look out for. But um, but really, in the pool is where we is where we should expect to see our our biggest success in this Olympics. Yeah, yeah. And also, are we? Uh, we're, we're out on the hockey front. I think the the hockey team unfortunately lost, uh, and uh, I think that's the only team that's out right now. Correct. No, you're one hundred percent correct there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Well, really looking and, and our football team, but the football team was not really expected to make great strides. They put on a they put in an incredible showing against France. But um, but yeah, they were never they were never really going to be going to amount to to a great title challenge in this uh, in this Olympics. Well, listen, Jeff. I mean, you you're particularly interested in, in in football, and maybe you can give me a little bit of uh, sort of behind the scenes insight into this because the 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 football team that plays in the Olympics is not necessarily Bafana Bafana. These are two completely different football teams. Oh, 100%, 100%. So the rules and the regulations regarding the Olympics is to is to whittle it down to an under 23 side. So basically this is a development side okay. and then we are allowed to take some of the older members normally in a, in a in a World Cup year or in a Euro year like this was. Um, normally those those athletes would not be chosen from the what we'd call the men's national team or the or the A team when we're choosing it. So the likes of France brought some players that didn't make that Euro team and uh, and brought them with over the age of 23. So you have that that discretion at your at your advantage where you can bring three people over the age of 23 into that team. And obviously, predominantly, they choose somebody that's really going to be influential within that team. But for the most part, the Olympics is an under-23 event. Okay, so this, it's it's a bit of a stepping stone in terms of a career. Because I thought, well, I don't know if I'd rather win the FIFA World Cup or the, or the Olympic golds. I don't know, like from a career perspective. Oh, absolutely. And for any for any football fan that's worth his salt, it has to be the World Cup, yeah. Because just, just the way that it's been scheduled, the way that it's been put together and the 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 viewership of the world cup is uh is incredible so that is certainly the that is the main prize yeah well i'm keen to see what the rest of this is going to look like i mean we've all had our, our concerns about tokyo you know just because there's no live crowds i mean that must be very weird and i think maybe very beneficial for a lot of the athletes at the same time because they've got complete focus complete concentration there's no distractions no nothing uh, at the same time they also don't have anyone cheering for them which is also maybe a little bit of a, a strange sensation uh but also like you know the, the whole vibe and the whole energy around it is very different now that you don't have people being able to go and you know you don't have those masses of people sort of supporting these different things but uh, i guess we'll have to just make up for it uh, watching tv so jeff Thank you so much for uh, for checking in again this week. And uh, here's to some more Olympic uh, gold. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. We'll chat next week. The latest news. The biggest names. The best destinations. The hottest entertainment. This is the Santon Times Podcast.
You know, it's always great to catch up with people that you uh, grew up with or that you knew from uh, many, many years ago. And uh, my next guest is one of those people. Uh, we actually went to school together, full disclosure. So uh, I haven't spoken to her, or I haven't seen her at least, since we were in matric together. But it's even more exciting when those people have actually been doing exciting things. So without further ado, let me introduce her. It's Mishan Pollock. She's an actress, but not just an actress. She's doing a whole bunch of things in the artistic world. So Mishan, good to have you on this podcast. Oh, great to be here, Alex. So lovely to catch up after, as you say, a, a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like as I say, we, we haven't aged much, so we don't look it, but uh, but it has been some time. Michonne, how, let's catch up generally first. How things have been going? I mean, it's been locked down. It hasn't been sort of the best environment for anyone in the art space. Uh, how have you been navigating the last 18 months? Alex, I don't know how to answer that without, without giving you a generic answer. It's, <laughs> It's been a roller coaster. Yeah. It's um, incredible things have come from it. Uh, I think because we are at a point where technology, information, and connectedness is at the highest it's ever been, having a lockdown, we're able to accomplish a lot of things. That is that has brought about new projects and exciting things. At the same time, my biggest love is acting, and obviously that's been. It's been a dumpster fire. Let's call it that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so roller coaster. There've been ups and downs, and um, yeah, just a very different world we're navigating. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, you've managed to do some incredible things, nonetheless. And I'm going to go straight into one of the projects I think that we connected on online when uh, when I saw it popping up on my LinkedIn. Uh, it's a it's a movie project called Seasware, and it's been sort of popping up a different. Uh, uh, screenings, different festivals. Just just take us through this. What is this all about? So, Suzue is a short a short screenplay that I wrote at the beginning of lockdown where I realized when everyone had to start wearing face masks that when we wear these fabric masks, we're covering our mouths and people that are deaf or hard of hearing that need to lip read are no longer able to do so. So, I wrote a screenplay about a little girl called Suzue and um, how she's uh, she's deaf and she has to navigate this new world with a very different and more difficult challenge than than many other people. So that's in a nutshell the story about her and that's good doing the festival rounds now and it's been um, getting some fantastic response in the States. It's been officially selected for six festivals. It's had um, two nominations and it's won one of the festivals. So when you say it's been selected, so there's an there, there is an actual movie in place, is there? So this is the this is the screenplay that I've written. Okay. So I'm entering the the screenplay film festivals. So they've got some festivals will have a film section and then also a screenplay section. Okay. So that's it's the screenplay is doing the rounds now, and the next part the next phase is the funding phase, and then we're going to production. Sure. So, really, the festival is an opportunity to showcase some of your ideas, to showcase this particular script, and hopefully there's somebody who comes across this at one of these festivals and says, listen, I think this is a great idea. Let's make this into a movie. Let's green light it, as they say, and let's uh, get it produced. And then that's when I suppose the really interesting bit starts is when you get to put this whole thing together. How long is the movie once it's actually produced? I mean, is this sort of like a a short 30-minute, is it a two and a half hours kind of uh, Hollywood kind of movie? What, what are we looking at? Um, it's a short screenplay. It'll probably be about 25 minutes in total. 
I decided to run it in the, the American Film Festivals because I wanted to see whether this film had an international audience as well as a South African audience because I think it's set in the trans sky and it's it's something I think a lot of South Africans would be able to relate to and I wanted to make sure that it had it would be able to stand on the international acceptance in a way too. So yeah. I was really excited to see the results from the American Film Festivals of that. Well, it sounds like it's got a very international story. I mean, I think a lot of people around the world are battling with having to read faces with masks on, never mind when you're deaf, where you're very reliant on lip reading. And I have a very soft spot for the deaf community, funny enough. But it is such a universal story. And uh, funny enough, the other day I was reading a fact that uh, – more and more babies are struggling to identify or trying to bond with their mothers because of Botox. So supposedly, oh, the more Botox people use, the finer lines and the real minute details that we give away in our facial expressions when we talk to people go missing when you have too much Botox. So young babies who are looking to pick up their mother's subtle eye movements or frowns or smiles or wrinkles are struggling to read their mother's faces more and more, uh, the more the mothers have had, you know, all these cosmetic surgery. Uh, so I can imagine being deaf and not being able to lip read must just be almost like switching off everything and having to now really battle. Absolutely. I mean, I just feel like a world that's really difficult to navigate suddenly becomes like mute. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. So I think uh, this is a form that's, I think it it needs to be made. I think people need to have empathy or more empathy or more awareness for, for people that are hard of hearing. So, Michelle, for, for most of us who are not in the uh, in the space of producing movies, rather on the other side where we enjoy watching movies, how difficult is it to get your script to into some of these festivals? Well, uh, I've had... I've had two, two um, screen, well, a, a short film that I shot and, and produced and entered into festivals as well as Cizwe. Uh The short film didn't do as well. Cizwe uh, has done a lot better. It really is just, looking back now, I think it's it's the quality of the product. Um, my first film, which was the first short film I've, I've ever really, you know, written and produced and put together. And I can see areas now that's where I, I would definitely change. For each festival, there are often thousands of films or screenplays that are entered. So it really is, it's really just putting a, like just a good quality product out there. And that's when it will get selected. And I guess it's also the more you do it, the better it gets, right? So I suppose, mm. like you were saying with your first movie, at the time you probably thought this is fantastic. Now looking back on it, you think, my goodness, uh, like we could have done so much better. But I suppose yeah. the more you do it, uh, the better it gets and the more refined your skills gets. And I guess the same with scripts. Like out of five or ten scripts, one or two might be the one where you go, geez, this is it. You know, this is this is the one. The rest just put into the into the past and forget about it. Yes, as they say, you fail your way to the top. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think I've got a few of those failures. I mean, South Africa. Some of the scripts I've written. I mean, South Africa has got a fairly good track record in terms of having you know punched way above our weights internationally in terms of movies, in terms of just talent that's come out of South Africa. What's it been like in terms of where you're sitting in Cape Town right now? I mean, obviously it's been very quiet, but uh, you know, are there? Projects coming back online now. Are you seeing sort of the movie industry or the, the television, the, the television industry, kind of getting going again? Um, I haven't yet, but I have been chatting to agents and to to managers, and it looks like the end of this year things are really going to pick up. So it's all about being ready and prepared for that. 
I suppose uh, the more more of us have vac- vaccines or have been vaccinated, uh, I suppose the more attractive it becomes. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> I had my first my first jab yesterday. <laughs> oh, and you're looking fine. So uh, so far so good. <laughs> Yeah, no, no side effects. So, Michelle, you've also been doing a little bit of art. I think you showed me a picture earlier on, and uh, I think for people who can't really see it right now, because this is uh, obviously an audio format, tell us a little bit more about what art you've been producing over lockdown. I've got my art in in some galleries in in Cape Town. It's work that I've I've been I, I started this approach where I take uh, the blind drawing technique, which uh, most artists will know, where you draw, look at your subject and you only look down at your paper or your canvas once you've finished drawing. I decided to really explore this approach because I thought in a way it's it's very similar to acting where you've got to actually you've got to listen to exactly what the other person's saying. You've got to look, you've got to be in the moment. There's no sort of like a creation of what your idea of this person might be. You've got to really like listen and be in tune. So I've I found that with this type of technique, I'm able to capture an es- the essence of the subject, which has been really exciting for me. So I'm, yeah, it's pen on paper and um, and original drawings, and and then I've also been working again in oils. Fantastic. So at least you you're keeping yourself yourself busy on all fronts, even though, uh, as I say, the acting space has been uh, really shattered. I think in South Africa across the board. I think the last eighteen months have not been our finest time in terms of getting uh, uh, stuff done. But I'm really looking forward to hearing how Seasware does uh, once it's 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 run its circuit. And uh, if people want to get hold of some of your art, you said it's in, in some of the Cape Town galleries. And then is there sort of an online platform as well that they can go check it out on? Yeah, so I've got my Instagram and Facebook, uh, Michelle and Pollock Art, and um, people can check it out there. Fantastic, Michelle. Well, listen, it's been fantastic catching up with you. It's been good to mm. chat to you again, and I wish you all the best with uh, with the, the big screen and also with uh, the smaller canvases as well. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's been lovely to catch up and lovely to chat to you. From Sentin to the world, this is the Sentin Times Podcast. Well, as you know, we love catching up with uh, CEOs on this podcast. We've uh, had a chance to chat to so many over the last couple of months. And uh, there's been a new appointment recently, this week at least. Uh, it's Gareth Kemp. He is the new CEO of Eris Holdings. He joins me on the line. Uh, uh, Gareth, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Hey, good morning to you. Thanks for having me. Well, for those listening who might not resonate with Aries Holdings uh, as as a registered business, you might know some brands that uh, Aries Holdings sort of looks after. It's uh, Under Armour in South Africa. You might also know Birkenstock. You might know Crocs. So you guys have a, a whole bunch of sort of fashion and lifestyle brands within this group. What's it like taking over this, I suppose, very important role? You're now sort of captain of the ship now. It is a big responsibility. You know, I was there from the beginning, um, so I was one of the founders of the business. Uh, but when I, when we started it, one of our uh, one of our shareholders, Neil Shaba, we appointed him as CEO because the the Under Armour brand was very new in South Africa. Birkenstock and Crocs had been trading for some time, um, and the big the business that needed a hell of a lot of focus for the launch was Under Armour. So I took that responsibility. And grew it to a point now where um, Neil Neil Shaba is is exiting, and and I'm sort of stepping into that seat, replacing myself at in Under Armour, uh, and taking the reins. So 
Yeah, it's a it's a big day. Um, I'm excited by the by the opportunity and, and just grateful, you know, that we've done five and a half years. Neil's been an, an, an awesome partner. He will still remain on the board. But uh, yeah, just looking forward to to the next next five and a half years. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, you've touched on Under Armour now. I mean, it's a brand that uh, we've been doing a lot of uh, sort of engagement with uh, on the Sant and Time side uh, with your team. I- is the brand doing well in South Africa? Yeah, it's doing, it's doing exceptionally well. I mean, we, we're very happy with the performance. Um, you know, we, you know, startups, startups are not easy. There were some focuses and some, some non-negotiables that we that we decided on right in the beginning, uh, and that was to to cement the brand in that focused performer space. Um, we're a brand for athletes, and it's worked out. You know, I think that the, the consumer has resonated with the with the brand. Five and a half years, not a long time, you know, as, as you can appreciate, I'm sure. Yeah. But, you know, the store growth and the strategy has definitely worked out. We did things a little bit differently. Um, I think distributors who launch brands usually go with a wholesale approach first and then sometime down the line they start opening their stores and e-com sites. We kind of turned that on its head um, and we we went within the first year, opened a few stores, grew our retail uh, footprint, uh, opened an e-com site and, and with that grew the wholesale. And yeah, we like I say, I think we, we're just really grateful that uh, the our customers have supported us and we positioned it right. And um, yeah, it's just now looking forward to to the next five years, like I say, uh, and and continue growing that. Well, certainly a premium brand, and also I think of late uh, that relationship that uh, the brand has built internationally, also with Virgin Galactic. I was just uh, chatting to somebody about it and saying, you know, it's all it's all good and well. Uh, you know, people saying, well, what does it mean going to space? And, you know, couldn't we be spending the money on something else? But a lot of the technology and a lot of the research and the materials and all these things that go into these uh, space suits that Under Armour has designed for Virgin Galactic, at some point that's going to end up on our shelves uh, in, in Sandton City, not so. Yeah, it's an interesting point uh, that you raised there, that, that you picked it up. But, and, and I think it's a, a real typical example around Under Armour and what they stand for, what they do. Um, they're an innovation company. Every single item that they put out there in the market uh, is built for purpose. They, they teamed up with, the, with Virgin um, to, to provide the space suits uh, and the space outfits um, for that first flight. Yeah, we will start seeing that, that kind of product coming through uh, into our stores. Uh, and, and we sort of, you know, it's, it's a great storytelling uh, for us. I mean, it's obviously not going to be massively commercial, but uh, again, it just really ex- explains the, the technicality and, and the innovation that, that UA comes up with. Yeah. Well, it's certainly a, a really awesome positioning, if, if nothing else. I mean, uh, I think it's a good association to have. In the other two brands, Birkenstock and, and Crocs, very different kind of market, I think, very different kind of brand. I know there was talk that Crocs made quite a bit of a return over, over lockdown. Uh, how are those two brands doing? Yeah, also very good. You know, I think that we have been quite fortunate as well. You know, I suppose you make your own luck, um, but Birkenstock and Crocs have have done exceptionally well over lockdown. You know, not a lot of people at the at the office, so it's you know, what are the most comfortable shoes you know that I can buy way around the, the house? You know, those two brands you know are top of mind. Um, they run very individually, and they they stand for very different things. Um, but um, yeah, they 
we, we've been fortunate enough that they're also enjoying some really good international brand heat. Uh, and and both of those brands are, are doing exceptionally well globally. You know, it does come with its challenges. Unfortunately, supply chain is uh, is affected uh, just because of the demand of the products. You know, which right. which is a good and a bad thing. You know, it would be nice to to be able to to leverage that heat a little bit more and get more product in. But um, it's really exciting to see those brands uh, growing the way that they are uh, and and enjoying that. Um, that performance that they are as well. Have you and the team had some sort of philosophy that you've gone into when selecting what brands to bring into a market like South Africa? Yeah, we did. I mean, we we, we are trying to focus on a performance segment within Aries as well as a comfort lifestyle section. So, you know, Aries Holdings will grow into the future. I mentioned two times you as well. That's, that's the fourth brand in the stable and that sits in the performance space. Two times you as a is a triathlon brand uh, originated out of Australia, um, also a really good technical product. Um, and then, you know, the Birkenstock and the Crocs uh, brands are st- sitting in that lifestyle space. So what we're wanting to do is, is not, not go out after fashion in any way. Um, we just believe that if there is something to offer, if it's a comfort story or a technical story or, or, or something more than just uh, fashion, we believe that there is something more there. Obviously, the brand, the brand heat, and the, that I call, and, and the products need to be really good. But with that, we need to have another unique selling point. Uh, and so, those are the things that we are looking for when we're considering brands in, in the stable. Well, it's interesting because I think South Africa has seen its fair share of uh, not only fashion brands, but international brands come and go. Some of them have landed with a lot of fanfare and somehow just disappeared within months others have landed and done exceptionally well i mean what's the kind of stuff that keeps you uh, busy occupied thinking you know up at night uh, as we sort of come into the second half of 2021 i would think it's more the operational stuff i mean the the brands you write i think a lot of those brands that you're are referring to as well you know that i've seen certainly um Fashion, fashion has struggled, you know, uh, and that's why again we stay, we try and stay away from that to try and have some some other uh, unique selling point. Um, so, so we're comfortable with the brands that we have in our selection process. Then from there on, I suppose <laughs> it's all the other stuff: COVID, lockdowns, um, you know, taxi strikes, uh, you know, the, the, the riots and unrest. You know, those are the things and the challenges that that's super difficult to control. Being a distributor is, uh, I've been a subsidiary before and run a distrib- uh, subsidiary, but being a distributor, the advantage is that you can be uh, adaptable and you can you can change quickly, you know, without any sort of global approvals on process that you're wanting to change. So, um, you know, I've sort of come full circle in, in, in my career and, and distributor is, is, being a distributor is a great advantage in reacting to quick, quickly to market conditions uh, and and that has certainly helped you know um, you know time will tell it's, it's still you know there's a lot of challenges out there uh, but uh, we're very confident that our strategies that we've implemented uh, and the the contingencies that we have in place uh, are going to set us up for for growth into the future yeah I mean look it sounds like you've got a real club sandwich of things that you have to manage and balance and uh, make work uh, right now I almost hesitant to ask you know are there plans to expand the group add some additional brands in without giving away too much of the game 
Yeah, they, they are. I mean, we obviously can't mention brands right now, but um, but yes, we we are definitely in growth phase. You know, and that's for taking on brands, but also expanding the brands that we have. You know, we've got four fantastic brands. We we're not we're not out there to just uh, grab anything that comes out. I mean, there's there's a lot of brands that have crossed our table, uh, but we're very deliberate and very careful in in the ones that we select. We run each brand within its own silo, so there are there are individual teams uh, that that sleep, eat, live the brands themselves. There's, there's a few shared services that that runs over, like you know, logistics support and HR support and finance support, etc. But from a sales and marketing and sort of brand, those brands are sort of run run individually. We we're definitely going to be looking for other brands. We're looking to expand our retail footprint uh, and and e-commerce as you can appreciate in time like this has has been unbelievable for us as well you know so we're looking to enhance that and, and look for efficiencies and improvements there too yeah i remember you guys launched uh, your e-commerce store i think it was last year sometime for under armor and uh, i remember us chatting to the team about that as well so congratulations on that gareth kemp he's taken over the job as ceo of Aries group holdings uh, as you know them for under armor birkenstock crocs and now this new brand and gareth you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation two times you two times you i must check two. that out yeah, two times you. Yeah, two times you. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a triathlete, as you can hear. So <laughs> clearly, clearly not one that was on my radar. But I'll check it out. Thank you so much All for right. making the time to be on this podcast. And it was great to chat to you. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Santon Times podcast. All right, that's it for another episode this week. Uh, as always, you can connect with us on editor at santontimes.co.za. You can check out the social media pages, Santon Times, and the website, www.santontimes.co.za. Follow, subscribe, share, and leave a review or rating of this podcast. Thank you to my guests on this week's episode. And as the COVID numbers still remain high, please stay safe, limit your exposure. And uh, I'm really thinking of all those people who are affected by the virus, either if you're isolating at home or if you, God forbid, in hospital and uh, fighting hard. We're with you, we're thinking of you, and uh, may you stay optimistic during this time. As I said, stay strong, stay safe. Thank you for listening, and let's connect again next week.